the prophet of God the Almighty in the outfit of an immigrant. Now we come to that magnificent occurrence through which a new era began in Islam. That is the departure of the Holy Prophet ﷺ from his beloved homeland and the migration to Yathrib. The Islamic year known as Hijri begun from this very revolutionary date. When all the Muslims had migrated to Medina due to their previous actions, the Quraysh suspected that the exile of all the Muslims in this way will surely bring about progress. In addition to this, they were also furious that this prey had slipped their hands. Therefore, in their own manner, they thought that such a plan should be employed as will expunge this dispensation once and for all, so that retaliation to their cruelties no longer remains a possibility. The Holy Prophet was still in Makkah, awaiting the permission of Allah, the Exalted, to migrate. The Makkans thought of this as a perfect opportunity, that all the Muslims have left, and Muhammad is as if all alone, without support. Therefore, they thought such a plan should be devised as puts an end to his life. As such, with this thought, they gathered in their national place of consultation, that is, the Darun Nadwa, and began to deliberate as to what should be done. There were approximately a hundred men of the Quraysh who partook in this deliberation, and Satan in the person of an aged man named Najdi Sheikh was also included. After the discussion on the current state of affairs, in the final stages of this deliberation, the following dialogue took place. An individual, tie Muhammad with iron chains and lock him up in a room that he may stay there until death overtakes him. Sheikh Najdi, this idea is not appropriate because when Muhammad's relatives and followers find out about this, they will surely attack and free him. Then this dispute will progress even further. Another individual, exile Muhammad, for if he is far from sight and leaves our city, then what do we care as to where he goes and what he does? At least our city will find deliverance from this disorder. Sheikh Najdi, have you not witnessed the sweet tongue, eloquent and enchanting speech of Muhammad? If he leaves unharmed, then know well that some other tribe of Arabia will be lured into his deceit and will sweep forth against you and there shall be nothing you can do about it. Hence, for some time, these mutual discussions continued and someone suggested one thing while another suggested something else. Finally, Abu Jahal bin Hisham said, Abu Jahal, my opinion is that one young man should be selected from every tribe of the Quraysh each and they should be given swords. Then these people should attack Muhammad together as one man and murder him. In this manner, his blood shall be distributed throughout all the tribes of the Quraysh and the Banu Abdi Manaf will not have the courage to fight all the people. They will have no choice but to accept his blood money. As such, we shall pay that. Sheikh Najdi, if there is a proposal, it is of this man for all else is rubbish. If you wish to do something, then do as this man proposes. Then everyone agreed to this proposition. The Holy Quran has alluded to their consultation the following words. And remember the time when the disbelievers plotted against thee that they might imprison thee or kill thee or expel thee from thy homeland. And they planned and Allah also planned and Allah is the best of planners. Here these people finished the deliberations to taint their filthy hands with the blood of the Holy Prophet. And there through Gabriel, Allah the Exalted informed his prophet of their evil intentions 
and permitted him migration to Yathrib. He was instructed not to spend the following night in Mecca. Upon receiving the news, the Holy Prophet left his home. These were summer days and afternoon time. Hazrat Aisha states that it was a custom that the Holy Prophet would come to visit Hazrat Abu Bakr at her home in the morning or evening time. That day, since the Holy Prophet came at an odd time and in a state where he had covered his head with a mantle, Hazrat Abu Bakr said, It seems that there is something unusual about this day. The Holy Prophet sought permission, entered the home and said, If there is a stranger here, please ask him to leave for a moment. Moment. Abu Bakr responded, O Messenger of Allah, these are your housefolk. He said, I have been granted permission to migrate. Abu Bakr, whose anticipation of this day and night immediately said, O Messenger of Allah, you take me along? Yes, he answered. Hazrat Aisha says, Until that day I have never seen a man cry in joy. But now I see that as soon as the Holy Prophet said yes, Hazrat Abu Bakr began to shed tears. Then he said to the Holy Prophet, O Messenger of Allah. In preparation of migration, I have nourished two camels by feeding them the leaves of an acacia tree. Please accept one of them. The Holy Prophet said, Indeed I shall, but for a price. Abu Bakr accepted, but in reluctance, and preparations for the migration began. Hazrat Aisha states that, We quickly prepared the necessities of travel and packed some food in a vessel made of hide. Then my sister Asma took her girdle, or the ribbons tied on her back, and cut them into pieces. She tied one piece to the food vessel and one to the water vessel. For this reason, she is referred to as the Datun Nitakain, or the possessor of two girdles. Following thereafter, the Holy Prophet returned home after a settlement with Hazrat Abu Bakr to leave Makkah that very night and to take refuge in the cave of Thar. Commencement of the Journey of Migration and the Pursuit of the Quraysh in the darkness of the night, the cruel Quraysh from various tribes had besieged the home of the Holy Prophet with their bloodthirsty intentions. They were waiting for dawn, or for the Holy Prophet to come out of his home, so as to launch a sudden assault and assassinate him. Various trusts belonging to the infidels were still with the Holy Prophet, for despite their extreme enmity, many people would often entrust their belongings to the Holy Prophet on account of his truthfulness and trustworthiness. Therefore, the Holy Prophet explained the accounts of these trusts to Hazrat Ali and instructed him not to leave Makkah until these trusts were returned. Then he instructed, You lie on my bed, and assured him that no harm would come to him. He lied down, and the Holy Prophet covered him with his red color mantle. After this, the Holy Prophet invoked the name of Allah and left his home. At that time, the besiegers were present in front of the Holy Prophet's door. However, since they did not anticipate that the Holy Prophet would leave his home so early in the night, at that time, they were in such a state of unawareness that the Holy Prophet left right through their midst, leaving them in their ignorance, and they had not a clue. Now the Holy Prophet was silently but quickly passing through the streets of Mecca, and it was not long before he reached the outskirts of town and started towards the cave of Thar. The entire matter had been pre-settled with Hazrat Abu Bakr, who also met the Holy Prophet en route. The cave of Thar, which is remembered as a sacred memorial due to this very occurrence, is situated to the south of Mecca. In other words, to the other side of Medina, at a distance of about three miles atop a wild and abandoned mountain, the cave of Thar is situated at a substantial height. Its trail is also very difficult to cross. Arriving there, Hazrat Abu Bakr squeezed in first and cleaned the area, and then the Holy Prophet also entered.
On the other hand, the Quraysh who had besieged the home of the Holy Prophet would peer through after intervals and upon seeing Hajjat Ali, who was in fact lying in the place of the Holy Prophet, they would find comfort. But the next morning, they found out that their prey had slipped their hands. Upon this, they frantically ran here and there, searched the streets of Mecca, looked in the homes of companions, but nothing was to be found. In their rage, they took hold of Hajjat Ali and beat him somewhat. They went to the home of Hajjat Abu Bakr and began a commotion and scolded his daughter. What was the use of all this? Finally, an open announcement was made that whoever brings Muhammad back, dead or alive, shall be given a bounty of a hundred camels. Therefore, longing for this reward, many people set out in all directions of Mecca. Even the chieftains of the Quraysh set out behind the Holy Prophet, and following clues, they precisely reached the mouth of the cave of Thar. Arriving here, their detective said, That is it. The footsteps go no further. Therefore, either Muhammad is hiding nearby, or he has flown to the heavens. Someone said, Go and check the inside of this cave as well. But someone else said, Alas, what logic is there in such an idea? Is it possible for an individual to hide in such a cave? This is an extremely dark and dangerous place, and we have always looked upon it as such. It is also narrated that after the Holy Prophet entered the cave, a spider spun a web on the tree, which was located just at the entrance of the cave, and a pigeon made a nest and laid its eggs on the branch, which was exactly in front of the cave. This narration is weak, but if something of this sort happened is not bewildering in the least. In some cases, a spider weaves a web over a vast area in just minutes, and it does not take long for a pigeon to make a nest and lay its eggs. Therefore, if by his divine power, God the Almighty made this happen for the protection of his messenger, it is not unbelievable. Rather, considering the situation at hand, it is completely plausible. In any case, no man from the Quraysh went in, and all the people returned from here. It is narrated that the Quraysh reached so near that their feet could be seen from inside the cave, and their voices could be heard. At this instance, Hajj Abu Bakr apprehensively but quietly said to the Holy Prophet, O Messenger of Allah, the Quraysh are so close that their feet can be seen. If they come forward even a little more and snare in, they will be able to see us. The Holy Prophet wasallam, said, Worry not, Allah is with us. Then he said, O Abu Bakr, what do you infer of those two individuals, the third of which is God? Another narration is related that when the Quraysh reached the mouth of the cave, Hazrat Abu Bakr became very very worried. When the Holy Prophet noticed his anxiety, he comforted him that there is nothing to worry about. At this, Hazrat Abu Bakr said in a weeping tone, O Messenger of Allah, if I am killed, I am merely one man. But if God forbid you are harmed, then it is as if the entire community has been erased. Upon this, after receiving revelation from God, the Holy Prophet responded in the following words, O Abu Bakr, do not worry at all, because Allah is with us, and we are both under His divine protection. In other words, you are worried for me, and in the passion of your sincerity, you feel no grief for your own life. 
However, at this time, not only is God the Almighty my protector, but yours as well, and he shall protect us from the evil of our enemy. Journey of Migration and the Pursuit of Suraka bin Malik Upon his departure, Hazrat Abu Bakr instructed his son Abdullah, who was a very intelligent and clever young man, to be mindful of the movements of the Quraysh and bring news to the cave of Thar on a daily basis. Therefore, what he would do is that as soon as night fell, he would reach the cave of Thar, spend the night there, and then early the next morning he would return. The servant of Hazrat Abu Bakr named Amr bin Fuhaira was given the duty to pasture sheep during the day and deliver their milk to them during the night. In this manner, the Holy Prophet spent three days in the cave of Thar, and during this time, these arrangements continued. Then when the Quraysh subsided in their efforts of pursuit, on the third day, the Holy Prophet came out of the cave in the morning time. This was a Monday, and the date was for Rabiul Awal, or according to the research of some historians, one Rabiul Awal, equivalent to the 12th of September, 622 AD. The Holy Prophet ﷺ, Hazrat Abu Bakr, had appointed a man named Abdullah bin Arikat from the Bani Adil, who despite having relations with As bin Wa'il, was trustworthy as a guide for a reasonable wage. This man was remarkably proficient in his field of expertise. The Holy Prophet and Hazrat Abu Bakr had entrusted their camels to him and explained that after three nights on the morning of the third day to reach the cave of Thar with their camels. Therefore, as per the agreement, he reached there. This is a famous narration of Bukhari, but historians write that the Holy Prophet left during the night time, and this itself is supported by another narration of Bukhari. Moreover, the idea that the Holy Prophet departed at night seems to be the most believable notion as well. In any case, after he left the cave, the Holy Prophet mounted himself upon a camel, which in light of various narrations was named Al-Kasfa, while Hazrat Abu Bakr and his servant Amr bin Fuhaira mounted upon the other. Upon his departure, the Holy Prophet cast a final glance towards Makkah and said in intense grief, O city of Makkah, you are more beloved to me than all the places of the world, but your people have not allowed me to live here. At that time, Hazrat Abu Bakr said, These people have exiled their Prophet, indeed they shall be destroyed. Since there was still risk of being pursued, the Holy Prophet and his companions left the usual route and started off towards Yathrib from an alternate route near the coast of the sea. They continued for almost one night, and for some time the following day, the next day, during the afternoon, when the heat of the sun intensified, upon the request of Hazrat Abu Bakr, the Holy Prophet came to rest under the shadow of a large rock. During this time, Hazrat Abu Bakr began to look here and there to ensure that no one was pursuing them. Hazrat Abu Bakr noticed a shepherd who had a few sheep and was bringing them towards that very rock for shade. Seeking permission for some milk, Hazrat Abu Bakr had the shepherd clean his hands and the udders of his sheep thoroughly and asked him to yield some milk. Therefore, he yielded some milk in a vessel. Hazrat Abu Bakr cooled it in water and brought it to the Holy Prophet at that time, he had risen from sleep. As such, Hazrat Abu Bakr presented the vessel of milk before the Holy Prophet who drank it. Hazrat Abu Bakr narrates that, By this, my disposition was delighted. Following this, Hazrat Abu Bakr said, O Messenger of Allah, the time of our departure has come. Yes, said the Holy Prophet, let us move on. As such, the Holy Prophet started off, but only a short time had passed when Hazrat Abu Bakr noticed that a man was racing his horse in pursuit of them. 
Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr worriedly said, O Messenger of Allah, a man pursues us. The Holy Prophet said, Do not worry, Allah is with us. This pursuant was Suraka bin Malik, who describes a tale of his pursuance in the following words. When the Holy Prophet left Makkah, the infidels of the Quraysh announced that whosoever brings back the Holy Prophet or Abu Bakr dead or alive shall be given such and such a bounty. And this announcement was given to us through their messengers as well. After this, one day I was sitting in a gathering of my people, the Banu Mudlij, when one man from the Quraysh came to us and addressed me saying, I have just seen two personages to the coast of the sea. I perceive that perhaps they are Muhammad and his companions. Suraka says, I immediately figured that this must be them. But to brush it off and to acquire this honor for myself, I said, they are such and such people who just passed. Shortly thereafter, I left that gathering and came to my lady's servant and said, saddle my horse and take it to the rear of the home. Then I took a spear and quietly left from the back of my home. I raced my horse until I neared Muhammad and his companions. At that time, my horse struck something and I fell to the ground. I quickly regained myself, and as per the way of the land, I took out my quiver to seek an omen by a throw of arrows. The omen turned out against my wish, but I ignored it, due to my enmity of Islam and greed for the bounty, and mounted myself again in pursuit. This time I reached so close that I could hear the voice of the Holy Prophet, who at that time was reciting the Holy Quran. At that time, I saw that the Holy Prophet did not even turn his face once, but Hazrat Abu Bakr, in concern for the Holy Prophet, would turn his face again and again. When I moved a bit closer, my horse struck something again, and this time its feet were driven into the sand, and I fell to the ground again. When I regained myself and saw the horse, its feet had been driven into the ground so deep that it could not hoist them out of the ground. Finally, with great difficulty, it stood up, and due to its effort, I was surrounded by a cloud of dust. At that time, I sought an omen once again, but it turned out the same, upon which I relinquished my attention and gave the Holy Prophet and his companions a call of reconciliation. Upon this, they all waited, and I reached them astride my horse. This entire ordeal led me to believe that this man's star is prosperous, and that in the end, the Holy Prophet will be victorious. Therefore, in a gesture of peace, I said, Your people have set such and such a bounty for your assassination or capture, and people have planned such and such against you. I also came with the same intention, but now I shall return. After this, I offered them some provisions, but they did not accept them, nor did they question me further. All they asked was that their whereabouts be kept secret. Following this, with the conviction that the Holy Prophet would someday acquire victory in this country, I requested him to prepare me a written declaration of peace. The Holy Prophet instructed Amr bin Fuhaira, and on a piece of hide, he wrote me a declaration of peace. After this, the Holy Prophet and his companions continued forward. When Suraka was about to return, the Holy Prophet said, What shall be your state when the bangles of the Chosros shall be on your wrist? Flabbergasted, Suraka inquired, Chosros, son of Hormizid, the emperor of Iran? Yes, responded the Holy Prophet. Suraka's eyes were left wide open in amazement. A Bedouin of the Arabian desert and the bangles of the Chosros, emperor of Iran. But look at 
the display of the power of truth. When Iran was conquered in the reign of Hazrat Umar, the treasure of the Chosros came to the Muslims as spoils of war. The bangles of the Chosros also came to Medina in these spoils. Hazrat Umar summoned Suraka, who had become Muslim after the fall of Makkah, and put the bangles of the Chosros on his wrists, which were laden with precious jewels. After deliverance from the pursuit of Suraka, the Holy Prophet moved forward. On the way, he met Zubair bin al-Awam, who was returning to Makkah with a small party of Muslims after business in Syria. Zubair gifted a white set of clothing to the Holy Prophet and went to Hajj Abu Bakr and said, After my return to Makkah, I too shall soon join you in Medina. Many other people also met them on the way, and since the profession of Hazrat Abu Bakr was that of a businessman, he would travel this route to and fro continuously. Most people recognized him, but were not familiar with the Holy Prophet. As such, they would inquire of Hazrat Abu Bakr, Who is the man ahead of you? Hazrat Abu Bakr would respond, This is my guide. They would think that he is a guide hired by Hazrat Abu Bakr to direct his route, but the actual intent of Hazrat Abu Bakr was something else.